0: There are men who have been promoted so often they no longer know the difference between Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket and Giant Man and Goliath. There are men who are too busy providing for their loved ones to know which came first, Tales to Astonish or Astonishing Tales. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. Men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two Grown-Ass Man. With special guest Grown-Ass Man, Dave Baumler.
1: Hey, how are you, man? We're glad to have you on our podcast. <laughs> hey,
2: thanks. I, mean, I, lo- I love the show. I, I,
1: the, the, oh, okay, show, cool. I think,
2: I, think I think it's
1: great.
0: It's just, you know, us talking about things we remember.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, we have to just make sure we get your... the phone close to the mic, so don't be afraid to speak up when you do uh, chime in. Dave. Okay, sure.
0: Hi, welcome to our fourth podcast. We actually think that this is probably our best one yet. Woohoo! And we are lucky enough to have a guest today, an award-winning filmmaker and writer. I'm lucky enough to have worked on a couple of movies with him, and just a great guy in general, Dave Baumler. Yes. And Dave lives down in North Carolina, so we talked to him by phone, and like any true grown-ass man, he had some great stories.
1: Indeed.
0: You said something in your uh, in your email about how comics sort of warped your uh, sense of reality of, of what really happened and what did not happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was one of the great things about comic books, especially in the eighties, where you know they were doing like a lot of this sort of counterfactual history. So, like, what if stuff, you know, was was great, but also like when they would do secret wars and like suddenly. Everybody would go to the Beyonders weird place and fight each other. But then while that 12-issue miniseries was going on, you know, Spider-Man would just have to come back the next issue and suddenly have this black costume and you didn't know what was going on. And they had to tease what had happened in the wars but not tell you. And uh, I just love that sort of sense of like this dual reality. And, of course, now Marvel does all the you know, the many worlds, I don't know how many worlds they have. Right,
1: right? and like the Ultimate Series and all that, it's like they're going back in time and redoing all the whole things again, yeah. But then I
2: remember like it would leak, like that sensibility would leak into my everyday reality. Like I remember (laughs) I was in like a freshman in high school and, you know, a a girl that I was dating had, had given me this note that was, you know, all folded up. And I was like, Oh man, I think she's gonna break up with me. But you know, maybe if I just open this at a certain time of day, or like <laughs> the next day, maybe it'll be like something else, like
1: oh, maybe a special man.
2: party for you. But then of course I open it up, and she had, she had broken up with me. Like you know, in a Marvel alternate what if universe, maybe like we were gonna get married or something. You're looking at these comic books not just at this time when your hormones are going crazy, but it's also like when you're out so much about who you are and like there's so much stuff in comic books about you know what you're you know the secret identity the real identity what are your powers i used to fantasize that one day my closet doors would open and there would be professor x and all the x-men and they'd just be like come on dave come on and you're like we're gonna you know <laughs> <probably> like, <laughs> oh,
1: come to the school with us the, coming out of the closet probably like a
2: whole other you know you know that's <laughs> a whole other x-men you know subtext but uh, yeah. right. but uh you know i mean it was kind of the thing where you fantasize that yeah like you were going to be discovered for some power that you had maybe not like actual mutant powers but like you know it was like it was that whole kind of thinking of your adolescence it was super important to me i had a question for you guys actually um and listening to the other podcasts uh, Why are we doing it? You know, in the series before. No, 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 no. But it's more like what, what were like the your favorite storylines, and then also what what were the most di- disappointing endings of storylines that that
0: uh, that you followed? I think the most disappointing storyline I can think of was in Amazing Spider Man was the whole thing with. Gwen Stacy's clone and the jackal who was a professor it was so like they made me work so effing hard to understand what was going on and then it didn't make any sense in the end and she was a clone and maybe
1: the guy was a clone too I was so mad by the end of that it was hard to come up with new ideas. I mean, those first ideas when Stan Lee was so potent to keep doing that for thirty, forty years is tough.
0: It, I always thought that the '60s Avengers were like a DC comic because the covers looked great, and then you'd read the issue and it sucked. <coughs> the covers covers would you know bring you in, and you'd be you know they would all be looking off. At something you don't see, and they're like, "No, it can't be, not him!" And then you open the comic, you know, and it turns right. out it's Ant-Man or something. It's like right. something incredibly boring. It's Ant-Man's Ant. Yeah, <laughs> but, but then in the in the 70s, they got Avengers got a lot better. I liked the stuff with Vision and Ultron and Jocasta, yeah. and and um, there was one where all the Avengers yeah, they... died. That was kind of a cool one
2: yeah that was like a that was a real motif i remember in that whole like chris claremont x-men part two where like they just had it was the sentinel thing is that days of future past you know thing but it was like in this issue everybody dies. and like you just had to buy it because you're like yes it's complete carnage like all the characters you love you're gonna see roasted alive that's
1: <laughs> amazing. right amazing yeah i i want to reread those because it's not fresh in my mind because i read them when they came out that's a long time ago already and i would really like to revisit because i remember i would either go to the the bergen mall because i was home for the summers or i lived in boston i would go to newberry comics which is kind of a famous comic book store and i would be oh just waiting for the new x-men I couldn't wait for those. Yeah. They were really great books, and it's they sustained it for like sixty issues. <laughs> but I, did, I
2: do think it's interesting, like where people bought comics, like in your earlier podcast about like the you know like those like drugstores and uh, you know because like where I I grew up in Buffalo and we had this like little comic shop that all of us went to after school every day, and the guy who ran this comic shop. It was like it's like a thirty year old guy who had the best name for a comic shop because his, his, his name was John Savage. And you know, just like out of central casting for a comic book shop owner. And he would just, you know, suffer these thirteen year old kids in his shop for like four hours a day. Where we would all just like rummage through his comics, talk about comics. He would talk about comics and it was great. And like he was like a Almost like a father figure to our little group, which was really fun.
0: What was the name of his shop?
2: It had a very nondescript name. I, I'm trying to remember. It was wasn't like, like
0: the a Savage comic, Land you know, or something?
2: No, I mean, it should have been something like that, you know, like uh, <laughs> the Savage Land. Thing, but. Like he had this wall, you know. Uh, all the walls had like the really expensive comics on them, right? Like you know, up, you know, up high, and kind of like this unattainable, because you know you're buying comics for like like seventy cents or a dollar or something, and up on the wall would be like the twenty five dollar comic, right. like the, the you know, the first, uh, you know, uh, Wolverine, you know, and, and the Hulk was like up on the wall, and you'd be like, oh man, if I could only save up my paper route money. And own Kazar
0: number okay. one. <laughs> right. but
2: then, But then the funny thing was, like, most of the, the things that I noticed that most of the really expensive comics on the wall were, like, these, like, um, Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> From, like, the golden era. And I was like those have got like little orphan annies like like things that like, like no human would actually want to read but just simply because they were old uh-huh. they were valuable right and that drove me that drove me crazy because i was always thinking it should be because the comics are great that's that's why they should have like monetary value but so that really that played with my head a lot when i was a kid but then I went back to his shop uh, I don't even know if it's still there anymore but I went back like years and years later like, 20 years later and I was like oh yeah Jim Savage I'm sorry not John Savage Jim Savage and I was like hey Jim it's me Dave B, you know and he was just like had like didn't really recognize me And I tried to jog his memory I was like wow like you were like a dad to me like I can't believe you Judas <laughs> like I can't believe you don't remember this whole crew of kids that lived at the shop
1: right well, that that's just, it reminded me of when I bought comics. I lived in Fort Lee for <clears throat> middle school and high school. And I was, from sixth grade to like eighth grade, ninth grade, I was buying books all the time, every week. And I would bother this guy who owned Fort Lee Stationery. And he was a biker. So he had a black leather vest. He was very heavy. He had long, long red hair and a long red beard and in the back of his shop were two pinball machines where we all played and like that was like the the middle school kind of drama like in the way you would see it in every movie but much tougher like if you were playing you were taking a risk of getting beaten up and we were always wow. back there it was always intense i wasn't a good fighter so i was always looking over my shoulder but i loved pinball so much i didn't care you know and then we would be like Hey, man, open up the books, you know, because I was saying in that podcast, they came wrapped like newspapers, you would cut the little plastic thing. And we would just dive into him like we hadn't eaten food. Like, you know, like, oh, my God, there's food and water. And he'd be like, so pissed off at us. But we bought everything he had. Uh So and we played pinball all the time. Yeah. But you were actually his customers. We were his big customers, you know, and like, but I just remember those shops, just like the way you're describing, were like such big places where so much stuff went they down. It loomed so large
0: in my mind. Yeah. I grew up in a little town in Maine, and we had one drugstore that sold comic books. And it was one of those spinning racks, and you would go in and look at your comics. But then in Bangor, Maine, which was like a bus ride away, uh, they had a Mr. Paperback. And boy, they treated their comics with a lot more respect. They had shelves and you'd go and you'd be able to leaf through them and they had everything they didn't have just a smattering like LaVertier's super drugstore had and that was just if you got lucky you would be left alone for a little while by your parents in Bangor so that you could really spend some time at Mr. Paperback that was great. So you liked Cerebus
1: though?
2: Oh yeah that was I mean that. Because it was, you know, it made fun of other comics. Like, it would bring in, like, a lot of other comics.
1: Yes, and, like, I remember reading that. Like,
2: yeah, and then sometimes, like, just, like, the Rolling Stones would show up. And they would just <laughs> talk about doing, like, lots of drugs. And then, like, and, but, and he became the Pope for a while, this little aardvark. And it was just the craziest comic book. But I loved it.
1: Yeah, I remember reading it. I, I couldn't get, I, like, part of me couldn't get it. Because it was so freaking left field from all the other superhero things actually you know in a way howard the duck is the first of that he's yeah. kind of really making fun of the whole marvel universe and i remember having a button that i got a convention howard the duck for president yeah i had that you I know had the howard
0: the duck for president button
1: <laughs> you know but like he, he was really president starting to he was starting to right he was starting to really make fun of the whole thing it's very self-referential yeah i like that it was cool
2: Oh, but then that movie came out. Like it had to be like the nader of film. When the when, it uh, made...
1: when
0: the Howard the Duck movie came out, yes. it made all of your Howard the Duck stuff totally uncool to even to even talk about. To and even worthless. Admit that you'd had oh yeah, worthless. Right. But you didn't want to admit that you'd had any you ever collected a Howard the Duck comic after that movie came
1: out. Yeah.
2: Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck.
1: I had Howard the Duck, one. I had actually bought it on a newsstand in Brooklyn, where my grandparents lived. I had not seen it, so it was laying there for a few months. It was not in great shape because it was like a really old-fashioned newsstand. And I remember going, "Oh wow, Howard the Duck one," you know, and I picked it up, (laughs) and I like
2: get the the mylar out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, this is before I even had bags. You know, this is early on. This is '76, I guess. And, like, then, like, those books had some worth to them. And Man-Thing, too. Like, and then the, the movie just destroyed the franchise.
2: But I have to say one thing about Howard the Duck, the movie. Uh, I did, when I saw it in the theater, I did want it to go on forever because it was one of my first, like, I took a girl to the, to the movie. And <laughs> I, I was trying to do the hand game where, like, you know, you inch your hand closer and closer. And I think it took me like like a clear like seventy four minutes for my hand to actually touch her And I was like and like once it did I was like, please don't let the duck movie end. And I was the only person on earth to ever say that.
1: That's cool. You brought a date to Howard the Duck, man. That is, that's awesome. That's true love. Yeah. That is a, like that's a relationship true love that is meant to be. Yeah. Right. And she's your wife now. You have wow. like
2: fifteen yeah. kids. She grew up to be.
1: Yeah, really reminds me
0: of the the. I'm gonna just tell you this story. It's not exactly comic book related, although there was although there was a Raiders of the Lost Ark comic book in the '80s. Oh, to, I remember
2: that one. Yeah, I do remember that.
0: It was a novelization. It was a, a comic book yeah, version of reality. the movie, yes. and then they continued it uh, when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. It was my favorite movie ever. I loved it so much. I watched it all the time. I listened to the soundtrack all the time. And when it came time to actually have my parents away for the weekend and my girlfriend at the time came over to my house and I had the place to myself and it things really happened. Like <laughs> it got real that evening. The thing that happened was I put on the Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack, the LP. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's
2: nice. That's like the bolero of your childhood. I played through
0: the whole first side of the Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack, and then I flipped it over onto side two. I didn't change the side for hours, and it just played the whole... Second side of the Raiders LP played through, and then the needle would go back to the beginning and play through again and again, and it's like a Pavlovian response now. When I oh, and then am watching like the last half of Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a little extra something in there for me that takes me back to, to a you know a seminal experience. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my God, that's crazy, man.
0: Okay, that's it for our chat with Dave Baumler. Uh, you know, we've got some other good podcast episodes yeah, coming great, up.
1: Great ones coming great
0: up. Great subject matter. Uh, we're going to talk about Warlock. Uh, we're going to talk about Ant-Man, the movie coming out, and the actual Ant-Man himself. And we're going to talk about... I've got an unusual story about a great artist named Joe Manili, and you can Wikipedia him before... Before that episode airs. And um, if you have any ideas or suggestions or just love notes, please leave us a comment. I'm Doug Bost. I'm Adam Bernstein. And thanks for listening. All right.
1: Grown ass man.